With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky Strip Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to get to actually on the basketball front. We'll talk about that at the beginning of the show, and then we'll get into uh, everything from this past weekend involving the Wisconsin football game. Unfortunately for them, a lot of the same um, ugliness from the previous couple losses um, showed their head once again in this Michigan loss. So we'll um, touch on everything from that, including the injury report and the depth chart from this upcoming week uh, as they turn the page to Illinois. And we'll kind of just go back and revisit, similar to what we did last time, where just kind of opened it up and, and took where we wanted to go and talk about all different things um, from that contest, because I think there's plenty to get to in that football game, as well as the Badgers try to move forward from what's been a rough start of the season. So it should be a good podcast to have a, a nice little venting session for us once again. Matt, how are you today? No, great, man. Yeah, and I'm excited to flush that Michigan game out of our systems. Um, talk about a little bit, little bit of basketball at the front end as well, and and kind of just get things going. And hopefully, the Badgers can get back on track for Illinois. How about you? Yeah, I think that's the the big hope right now. I, it, it'll be good to to purge this with this Michigan game from the system because it was really. Unfortunately, a lot of the same mistakes and, and same things kind of popped their head up, and uh, unfortunately for the Badgers, um, some new mistakes as well. So we'll get into all of that in the back half, but it'll be nice to turn the page and, and focus on this Illinois game. I know uh, we'll talk about the Paul Chris Presser um, in, in that football conversation as well, but he sounded like he had some a little bit of fire in him and a little bit of energy to him, so hopefully that means the team can um, rebound around that and, and turn the page and refocus for what should be an interesting Illinois game for sure, but we'll start with the news. Um, the big one, of course, on the basketball front, the Maui Invitational, which Wisconsin is a part of, has been moved to Las Vegas, of course, normally held in Maui. Um, due to COVID and everything with involving that, uh, they decided to hold it once again in Las Vegas, so it should be an interesting tournament there. Worst places to go if you're a fan wanting to go watch some basketball. I know it's not quite Maui that you're going to get to go see, but worse places to go than Vegas for sure, so um, anything to really take away from that or still just excited uh, to see what Wisconsin can do in this tournament? A little cheaper to travel, to be perfectly honest, there you if go. for those of you who are going there. Um, but the field's still the same. It's going to be a great field. And I think Wisconsin, it's going to be a, a learning exercise. I think that's going to tell us a lot about this team early in the season as they take on some really good teams. Yeah, it should be a still a, a it's always a fun field. I mean, they always do a good job with that tournament. Yeah, you want to you you you're going to miss, you know, 
Um, the, seeing the shots of the waves and everything like that, you, you'll probably still get Bill Walton in his Hawaiian get-up uh, while he's in Vegas, but uh, maybe not the same scenes. But I think at the end of the day, in terms of a basketball conversation, it'll be good for Wisconsin basketball to, to kind of, like you said, get a gauge of where this team is at. Um, to kind of throw them to to the fire a little bit early. I know they've got some games before that, but uh, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how they are in a little bit more of a pressure situation for sure. Um, and speaking of Wisconsin basketball, Greg Gard did speak to the media today for the first time as they get ready to open their season. Basketball is going to be here before you know it. Anything that you took from the the Greg Gard presser today? I know neither of us got a chance to listen to it fully, but there were some no's and, and notes. Um, all over the Twitter sphere because that's the only social media network that is currently working. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a crazy uh, thing with both Facebook and Instagram down today. But um, I, I think the biggest takeaways that that I saw um, and kind of looking around were were the status update on a couple of younger players and kind of where they're at. Specifically, Lauren Bowman, guy missed all of last year. Um, a, a, a tremendous get on the recruiting front that I think fans were really excited about. Missed all last year, but I think he's in a, a better place this year and, um, you know, expected to, to help out a little bit. Um, Tyler Wall, I know he made a lot of big gains physically last year. It seems like he's kind of um, starting to be one of the team leaders to go along with Brad Davison. So I think that that's a positive development when you look at how young this team is um, and you're not necessarily having to lean on some of these transfers to be like, hey, you just got on campus, now you got to be a leader. So I think that Wall's development in that aspect is big. Um, but I think the, the most notable one is Marcus Ilver. And, you know, we've heard trickles out from the basketball program that he was a guy that really looked good when they got on campus. Um, and Greg Gard said again, he was a person that um, was farther along than what they thought he was going to be, um, really excited about what he could bring. He, he's a stretch four um, and or really kind of a stretch forward in general that I think can, could really help this team out with his, his shooting ability. And so I'm fascinated to see if he's going to be able to get into the rotation this year or, or at least push some of the guys in front of him for playing time because I do think that there are wing opportunities available um, on this present roster given how much the, the roster turned over after all of those seniors walked away. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it so many times when we've, when we've brought up basketball that there was going to be a lot of minutes uh, available for a lot of different guys, and there's going to be certainly some competition in there. You know, you look at um, the, the wing spots especially, that's a, a place where he can make an impact and, and certainly push for minutes if, if things break the right way. Uh, of course, you've got the familiar faces that you're going to have in Davison, and, and Johnny Davis will be one that hopefully he's due for a big year. But other than that, you know, the, how this rotation works out with some of these other guys and some younger guys is going to be fascinating to watch for. So um, the, the news with Lauren Bowman is, is of course, really huge. I, I think some people forget um, how big of an impactful recruit he was before coming in. Obviously, you wanted to see him play, but I think sometimes just with everything that was going on in his situation, you forgot that he's, he's going to be hopefully a really big and impactful piece for this team moving forward, this very talented kid out of high school and had an unfortunate situation, but hopefully can bounce back and be uh, a piece to this team. So um, overall, it was a lot of the stuff, you know, I, I like that he mentioned Tyler Wall kind of uh, taking on um, a bigger leadership role. That's going to be the thing that I think you'll be looking for. You're, of course, going to have Davison who will be in that role, but there's still going to be a, a gap between him as, as the old super senior type of guy and a lot of these young guys where I think Tyler Wall would be a good bridge between that and, and hopefully – um, you know, his 
presence on the court, both as a player and as a leader, will, will hopefully be noticed. And so, yeah, I think overall this team is, is going to be interesting. They're going to take their lumps, but and it's it's hard for me to even think about basketball. But I am a little bit excited to see what this group can do because I know I think I think we all think the basketball last year, and we all it makes us all kind of bang our want to bang our head against the wall. But I think this group will be fun to watch and and competitive, and, and we'll have some growing pains. But if they're competitive and playing in games, I think it'll be a welcome sight. So overall, the the start to the basketball season is is probably sneaking up on some people, but. Um, we'll still be um, some fun with this group as they move forward. For sure. Do we want to shift gears to football now? Let's go ahead and hop right into it because we'll start with the similar to Greg Gard. Uh, Paul Chris did his annual Monday presser. Um, like I mentioned at the top, he he did have a little bit of a, of a I wouldn't want to say spark, maybe a little bit more energy, a little bit of fire to him. He, he said some excitement, and of course. In, if you listen to any other Monday pressers across the country, usually they all are, are going on around the same time. And, and guys, coaches are always optimistic, and, and Paul Chris is no different, kind of always has the, the cliches that he goes to. But I think he was pretty open and honest about answering the questions um, that are put in front of him. He talked about that they absolutely need to be better. They're working on trying to be better and, and that uh, that they're just they're trying to move forward as best they can. So um, it, it wasn't – I guess a presser that a lot of notable things came from it, but I definitely did notice some fire in there. So um, to go off of that, anything that you took from the the presser, and of course we can get into the uh, the injury report as well, um, because that was a added layer that always comes from that Monday morning uh, media recap. Yeah, I mean the simple fact that he used the word bitch in it was just like <laughs> set me to the moon in laughter because he he basically just said, hey, it's part of the job that. People are going to, you know, bring up how this team is looking, and it's a direct reflection on him. And so I think that that was candid, and I'm glad that he brought that up. Uh, the other thing that I thought was was actually very notable was when he talked about that this offense doesn't have an identity. Like, he straight up said that. Um, and, and I know that that's something that we talked about, and I think that that's really – the missing link in a lot of ways for this offense, I think that there's still things to clean up um, – at quarterback, at offensive line, and in offense in general, the, the backfield. But really, I think right now it's what does this team want to be on the offensive end and that he brought up that, hey, they've been able to pass the ball a little bit sometimes, they've been able to run the ball a little bit sometimes, but they can't string it all together. Um, and and that really is just segmented. So I think that that was important for um, – for fans to hear that he that he is owning that, but I also think that it's also kind of scary to to think that um, your head coach is is saying that about your offense when he's running the offense and the offense has really sucked this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that um, was was certainly something that was that, that stood out was the the fact that you know he, he acknowledged that, but. Um, and, and Kuda, he did say, you know, that is part of an onus to him, but that's also like, yeah, I think I'm glad that that light bulb went off and he, and he kind of said that as well. So um, it's, I mean, look, like you said, no one, no one wants to be in this position. No one wants to be a, a one and three football team. The fans are restless. The players are probably restless. The coaches are probably restless, but I think now it's up to them to, to really, we talked about, they can, they don't necessarily control their destiny, but they can control and, and determine, you know, how they want to move forward with this season. And nobody's going to feel sorry for them. There's other teams in this Big Ten West. You know, this upcoming week, this Illinois team, yeah, they, they got beat by Wisconsin last year on a dominating performance from Mertz for two years ago. 
Um, you know, Illinois was a team that um, was was competitive and upset the Badgers. So there's all sorts. Of, you know, you still got Purdue on the schedule. You still got all the rivalry games: Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota. So the 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 storyline they can still can control. They can bounce back from this tough start, but like he said, you know the onus has to be on them, and they've got to pick which way do they want to go because nobody's going to sit around and feel sorry for the Badgers and um, and mope as they try to move forward. So figuring out some identity on that offensive side is going to be a huge part of it, but really it's just going to be um, you know a lot of them you know really taking some pride in, in figuring out how they want to move forward because it has not been pretty these first three uh, or first four weeks uh, with, with these losses now piling up and, and, and really magnifying a lot of the same issues week in and week out, which we'll uh, of course get into as we get into the game. But uh, anything else from the presser or the, uh, the, the injury reports? I know that's one thing we should probably talk about. Um, Mertz and Ferguson, the two big names are currently listed as questionable. Um, so we'll see how those guys shake out as, as the week move forward. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a positive development that Mertz was listed um, not only for available for the media today, speaking with everyone, but he also um, took part in practice, um, and and so I think that's positive. I, I do think it's a little worrisome that you have your your number one and number two tight ends um, both listed as questionable. Ferguson um, went out just before Mertz went into the locker room, um, but then rejoined the team, and then Eschenbach. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took a beating at the end of the game. I was able to rewatch it, and he got rolled up on. And then two plays later, he ended up catching an 18-yard pass, and it looked like he popped his shoulder popped out because he was running over with it drooping um, and was like screaming to the to uh, the sidelines as he was coming over. So I, I'm hoping that both of those guys will be available. I, specifically, Eschenbach, I think he will be. Um, if it was a dislocation or something like that, you just pop that in, and it it's gonna hurt like hell. But hopefully, you can. You can go next week, but I think I think really the, the the biggest thing is going to be Graham Mertz, and if he's available, you also would love to have Jake Ferguson because he's such an important part of your offense, both in the passing game and in the running game. So I, I, there's a lot of moving pieces here, and, and but I do think that if I had it was a betting man, I would guess that Graham Mertz will probably be available come Saturday. Yeah, I think the media availability is always something that you can kind of at least gauge where they're at right now. I don't think they would have been trotting him out there to speak if they if they were cautious or, or tried to hold him back or if they, if there was a possibility. I mean, there's always possibility that he won't play, but I think they probably feel good enough. They felt good enough to have him put up uh, and speak in front of the media, so I think that's usually a good sign if things continue to progress well through the week, I would imagine. Um, he would be available and and be playing on Saturday, and um, we'll get into it a little bit. But I mean, that's that's probably a good sign for Wisconsin. I think of of one of the silver linings of another tough loss was, of course, um, him playing a little bit better um, in that in that second quarter. It was a small window, but it was finally something that we saw the Graham merch that a lot of people have been wanting to see. So. Um, with that, I mean, we we've talked about the press, we have talked about injury report. Anything else you want to hit on? Otherwise, we can go right into. Um, where we want to get into this game, and I think Graham Mertz is probably a a place that we can start at. Yeah, let's let's start with Mertz because I do think that um, the the first, I mean, let's just holistically those that first quarter was hell. Like that was some of the worst offensive football you're going to see. It was really bad, negative two yards through your first four drives of offense. Um, I mean, that's just embarrassing, but. You, you saw that things start to click a little bit, and I think there's a couple different reasons. Um, but really, that was probably the best quarter of football we've ever seen from Graham Mertz. And I know people will point to that Illinois game where he, he did a lot of really nice things. 
but none of the throws he made in that Illinois game were anything close to some of those throws that he delivered against Michigan. Those were some really heady throws. He he had um, pressure in his face, um, and, and he deserves his 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 criticism for the first three games. But in this game, I mean, he was just getting bombarded because the offensive line was a turnstile. Um, and and really, in that window of time, he made some some really good throws. That throw to DK, um, that four vert scheme that they they ran. And uh, he, he missed that play, and, and you know, I, I called him out for it. He missed the wide-open DK to win the game against Penn State. He nailed it against Dax mm-hmm. Hill um, in that one, and that was that was a thing of beauty. Um, it was also great to see Jim Ray DK available. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, but, but I you know, Graham Mertz, that was definitely the Graham Mertz that everybody's been wanting to see, and I think that that was a positive development. Um, for him, and hopefully that gives him some confidence going forward. I know the injury is tough, but but really th- that those were some some dynamic throws that he made. That first throw to Ferguson, um, as well as a throw um, on that drive, that same drive that he made to Kendrick Pryor on the outside. It was a deep out. He got drilled in his face, and he completed the pass with the pressure. And and so I think those were positive developments for Graham Mertz, and it definitely showed why he's out there and not Chase Wolf. Yeah, I think all of a sudden you went from um, you know a storyline, you know, and like you said, he deserves uh, criticism for those other you know those early games. But at the same time, you know, you saw that quarter against Michigan, and you thought, man, if if Graham Mertz is out from this injury, you don't feel good about this game. All of a sudden, it went from man, Graham Mertz is is the problem, and he was part of the problem. I think I think Saturday showed you that he was part of those early season win- woes, but. At the same time, there were other issues going on, and all of a sudden the narrative went to, man, we really need Graham Merch in this game to not only hang in it. That, that second quarter was great. They did a good job of, of, I think, getting him confidence and playing well, and and he looked great. But also all of a sudden it went to, man, you know, we need Graham Merch to win this game because he's really the entire offense right now. So I, I think that's a, the the silver lining of, a once again, a, a pretty tough Saturday for Wisconsin is that he looked like he's got some confidence back he showed once again glimpses. Now you know, we'll still have to see it for a full four quarters, but if he throws the ball anywhere close to that throughout throughout an entire game, you really have to feel good about where he's progressed to. And you know, I know Wisconsin is expected to hang with a team like Penn State, Notre Dame, and, and Michigan, and, and they did in that Penn State game, and, and that Notre Dame game was a little bit deceiving. But now all of a sudden you're going to play a game against an Illinois team that is has rightfully been struggling all season. You're going to go go against some teams in the Big Ten West, or maybe you can try and get some things right and move this thing forward. Not going to say there's any easy games in a Big Ten schedule, but now you're going to finally see maybe a drop in competition, and hopefully that Graham Merch confidence is is coming at the right time. Of course, you know, barring you know a, an injury that is probably going to be nagging him um, throughout the week, but hopefully he's he's healthy and, and can play the way he looked on Saturday because that was a, a nice glimpse of what we think Graham Mertz can be moving forward. Yeah, he he looked more composed in the pocket. He 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 was able to be more accurate. He delivered the ball on time. There wasn't some of those glaring mishaps that that had happened the first couple games. Um and and really I think that that is a positive development. There's nothing else to take from it. Like he is he really looked the part in that game, um, and it's a half of football, but the number one thing for him was there was no turnovers, and mm-hmm. and that has been just the absolute 
Achilles heel for this team has been turnovers, and we didn't see them from him. We saw them elsewhere after he went out, but it, Mertz didn't make any of those killer mistakes, and that kept this team in it and had them right in the thick of things until he went out with that injury. Yeah, he really did a good job and, and hang in the, hung in the pocket against a, uh, a tough defensive line and um, held up against with the, an offensive line that was was really struggling uh, to protect the quarterback and open holes for the run game. So um, with that, I think we've talked the positive of, of the offense. There's probably a couple other positives we can get to, but I think we. where do you want to take it next? Do you want to talk offensive line? Do you want to talk run game? Is it a combo of both, or, or where would you like to move it to? But, so I want to still stick on those two drives that mm-hmm. the Badgers look, looked really good because I do think that there was another element that I help, think helped them move the ball better, and that was Braylon Allen. And um, I know that you look at the stats from the game, and just in terms of running the ball, the Badgers couldn't do it. We're going to rip apart the offensive line in a second here. But Braylon Allen had five attempts, four of them in, in the first half, and, and he got 19 yards out of those, out of those four attempts. Um, including a nine-yard run. You you look at it, though, and I want to look back at those two drives, and, and he was a constant presence or a consistent presence in both of the scoring drives that they had in that first half. In the first one where they got the field goal, he had two key third down or uh, first down runs, one on third and short, the other one on, on second and short, and that really kind of kept the drive going, and he looked good. He pushed the pile forward, was moving through, break, broke a few tackles, and then on the second drive that – um, Mertz went silly and had those two beautiful throws. You saw Allen hit off, hit on a nine-yard run where he really um, gave Paul Chris some confidence that maybe, hey, call the timeout, let's try to score with under 30 seconds. So I, I look at that and you, you think, hey, they also had Allen in there in some passing situations and pass blocking, and he did fine. I mean, Ches Malusi struggled very badly in pass blocking situations. But Allen, the fact that they threw that freshman in, he, he had some nice runs, and additionally, he, he was in there in pass protection, and he did not look lost. I think he's a kid that could definitely um, garner some more reps going forward when you consider the fact that they just can't run the ball right now um, behind this offensive line. Maybe having the 238-pound, uh, 6'2", 238 kid who, who is, you know, Mighty Mouse out there is probably your best bet because he can move a pile, he can break a few tackles, um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a few more carries from him uh, against Illinois um, going forward. No, I think that was the other positive layer was, uh, of course, Braylon Allen being a, a guy that not only that they uh, you know got in the game, but they, they almost seem to rely on a couple of those runs. I mean, we, we've talked about him so much throughout this past offseason being a guy that is just a, a physical freak. So it makes sense to, to really go to a, a bruiser-type back like him when – You've got an offensive line that, you know, maybe it's three yards in a cloud of dust, but a kid with his strength and, and his ability to just push a pile maybe pushes that from a, a three-yard gain to a five-yard gain and, and continues to roll uh, this thing. And I'm glad that you mentioned the pass blocking thing because that was the one part where if you're throwing a running back out there you know, early in his career, is he is he able to pick that up quickly and, and be a portion of their um, and not just be a back that's out there to, to run, the, run the ball because we've seen that in years past where – um, you know, some guys just can't pick it up and, and struggle there. So when you're talking about running back woes and pass blocking, you mentioned Chesham Lucy, and that's been a, you know, he's a, he's a nice complimentary back. He's got some speed, but Braylon Allen can give you that power. 
Um, and, and if you're not protecting the quarterback when you're in your run block, and that's a huge phase of the game that they're just not hitting on right now, and that certainly needs to be better. And I mean, all of the blocking um, really needs to be better. But you talk about the, the silver lining and, and the positives of this game. You talk, you got to talk about Mertz, and I think Braylon Allen is the second one. Um, he was he was just he's really good. And, and judging by what we heard in Paul Chris Presser. I would imagine, like you said, he's going to see some more carries. That was one thing he was asked about, he, and, and Chris kind of hinted that, you know, you can you can see it, you can tell that he's a kid that is progressing well and has earned some playing time. So I would expect to see even more of him against Illinois, and I think that's a welcome sign. We we've, There's a reason he was so hyped up off season, all offseason. He's a talented kid, and um, he's a guy that uh, right now you're 1-3. What do you have to lose by putting out a, a young, talented kid and seeing what he can do? Yeah, I, I just really do think that when you look at how this offense is moving, they're searching for an identity, having a power back who can just get you five. And, and he, I mean, he's still got some speed. He can pop one off if he needs to. I mean, you look at it, you don't see Malusi pulling away from defenders either. You don't see Jalen Berger, you know, breaking tackles and going, going for big games either. So it, it, you look at it and you say, hey, this is a kid who's going to be able to at least break a few tackles, move the pile, fall forward, and give us something. Maybe that's a way for this team to start building a freaking identity because I think that you look at how how much this program is built on big-ass offensive linemen in a power running game, that's not the, that's not what they are right now, and that's the missing link in a lot of ways. I know um, that, they, that there's – I talked about a chicken and the egg where if you know that you can't pass the ball, defenses are going to pack the box – which makes it hard to run the ball, and it's going to allow defenses to, to really key on blitzing. But at the same time, you got to be able to still move the ball on the ground to free up a little bit in the passing game as well. So they've got to figure out something. Maybe Allen's the answer. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to proclaim to be an expert there. But but just looking how, how he ran, there was a difference in, mm, in what absolutely. you saw from him than the other guys who were out there, at least in my opinion. You thought the same? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could – you could, and Paul, Paul Chris kind of hinted at the presser. You could just kind of see that there was a difference there. I mean, Ches Malusi does some good things. Jalen Berger does some good things. But Braylon Allen not only does something different, but he looked to do it better. And maybe it's just that's just a hungry kid, you know, aggressive, got the momentum, and is just going. But it just seemed to be a, a difference there between – um, what we've seen from the other backs and what we've seen from him. So I would expect uh, to see some more Braylon Allen um, this week going against uh, Illinois. But And that's, that's exciting because I think when you see that uh, that young player starting to progress, you can only hope for, for more and, and see more from him as he moves forward. But, uh, yeah, I think he was the really the other positive of a, an otherwise pretty rough day uh, for Wisconsin football. All right, you want to do – you want to talk about the – Passing game with the wide receivers, or do you want to go straight to the offensive line? Which one are you thinking? Why don't we go to – we can do the passing game. I think that was that was certainly something we'll, we'll try and get – because I think there was another layer of, of positive there. So why don't we get all the positive out before we can um, before we can harp on the negative here. Once again, you know, going to young players with Braylon Allen, I thought a similar focus was there, going to young players in Chimray DK, which is a guy that, that played really well. We both had, had been this entire season kind of been wondering, you know, where is he? What's going on? When's he going to finally get to not just get um, snaps, but really just be involved in the offense at all? I mean, there was a lot of times where they were running other guys, and, and Chimray DK wasn't really out there, but all of a sudden he was involved. So passing game-wise, I think that was maybe the third layer of positivity is a guy like him getting more involved. 
him and Merch clearly had a connection last year. It's starting to come around this year, and I think that's a welcome sign because if you're not running the ball, it's it's going to have to be eventually maybe dropping back and, and throwing a little bit more and, and finding those connections is going to be huge moving forward. Yeah, he made a couple of really nice catches, and and he was a guy that you know we've talked about that he's probably the most talented of the wide receivers. He doesn't have the experience of Kendrick Pryor or Danny Davis. Danny Davis, a big goose egg on the day, not wasn't targeted, didn't have a reception. Like that was pretty crazy to see. But DK really made some nice plays, um, and, and that's something I was very excited about. The other guy that I thought looked really good in the passing game was Clay Cundiff. I know. Um, you know, he's not the flashiest player by any stretch of the imagination, and it came late in the game against reserves. But the the kid keeps making plays this season, and um, I think there's a reason that he maybe jumped a guy like Rucci. Um, I, I, you look at it, he's had a, a solid season so far this year in the receiving department. He runs really well. Um, he's got He's got three receptions for 86 yards and, and a touchdown. Those numbers are – or even better, if you go ahead and add on the fact that that uh, he he has a second touchdown, I should say, if you uh, are, are able to count that touchdown before that was wiped out by the Danny Davis block in the back. So uh, he's a kid who's emerging right now, and I, I think that's a great thing. The other thing was was Jack Dunn was not on the field very often, um, and you saw more of DK. I thought that was a welcome sign because that's what this deep, this wide receiving core needs is they need their playmakers out there. I know DK was banged up a little bit last week, but he and he was missed by Mertz on that wide open um, you know, fade route last week, but but this game was a, a big coming out for him and I'm excited for what he could could uh, put together the rest of the way on with if Mertz is healthy because those two, like you mentioned, did seem to find a rhythm a little bit there. Yeah, and I think that's something that Wisconsin's not only going to be needing for the rest of this season, but you look forward, you know, next year, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, guys aren't going to be on the roster. So to, to try and get that connection established is certainly a welcome sign. And, and he's a guy that, you know, again, you're one and three. I mean, I think Chimray DK has more than proved that he's talented enough to be on the field consistently and, and often, you know, not only be getting snaps, but be getting targets, but yeah, at one and three, I think you got to start getting, letting some of these young guys get a run and and really get your difference makers on the field, no matter who they are. Well, you know, no matter how old they are. And I think Jim Ray DK is a prime example of a guy that um, has played a good amount in his career, but maybe needs to see the ball uh, a little bit more. And that connection with Mertz has certainly been a welcome sight. And I'm glad you mentioned Clay Cundiff as well, guy that you know has been making plays and you know all off season. He wasn't a name that. We, we talked about all that much. You talked about Ferguson, you know, Ashenbach it gives you a good, um, you know, a good punch as a, as a blocker and a guy that can come out and, and catch the ball. But Clay Cundiff wasn't necessarily a name that we threw out all that often, but he continues to be a, a guy that seems to be in the right spot in the right time and making plays. And when you're a struggling team, those are the type of guys you need. So I, I applaud him and, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do um, through the rest of his the rest of the season and the rest of his career. All right. With yeah, the, I mean, I think I was going to say, do you want to talk this ahead. offensive line now? Yeah. You, all right. I you're up on the box. I want you. To, I want to hear what you have to say about this group because it, it was not pretty. Well, I think for for me, the question is like, what is what does a guy like Logan Brown have to do to get out of the field? Because I think that's part of me. I mean, there's clearly struggles up front, and you know, after the game, there were there was talks. You know, they're playing the best guys, but give them the chance to win. But I just 
you know, I, I don't want to knock anybody on the line too much, but it's like, how can you sit there and how can coaching, you know, the coach, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but how can they sit there and, and say that when you, when you've got guys that are clearly struggling? I mean, it's not just, it's not just one or two plays. I mean, these, those guys were, were just getting beat left and right all day long. And, and like the, the hockey shifts moving guys in once again, but it's just it's not working, and and it needs it's not just one little thing that needs to be tinkered. It's it's a whole almost overhaul of the offensive line right now is struggling. So that part for me is like, man, if if a guy like him isn't cracking the field, it's just it's a question mark for me of of what's going on. And and you know maybe it's just that they they have confidence that some of these guys are going to rebound, but we're now going into you know week six. And we haven't seen really all that much from this offensive line. I mean, they look good against Eastern Michigan, but Eastern Michigan is, is clearly not a very good football team. I mean, they just have not shown, you know, you don't want to be, you can't rest on being good against Eastern Michigan because the other, you know, however many quarters that they've played against quality opponents, this offensive line, most of, well, a good chunk of the time has not looked very good. There's been ones or twosy plays where they've held up or opened up a little bit of a hole, but this Wisconsin line is not anywhere where they need to be and where they have been in years past. And there's some clear issues that just don't seem to be being addressed. So I'm, it's almost like an overhauling problem where it's like, where do you even go to fix it? I'm not really sure, but something's got to be fixed because this line just, whatever they're trying is, is not working right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty depressing to look at that offensive line when you consider the fact that that's the foundation of Wisconsin football is, the offensive line. You you ask anybody in you know Pac-12 country, SEC country, the Big 12. You go over to the ACC and you ask them about Wisconsin football. They say talk about the fact that we you know pump out offensive linemen. That is Wisconsin football. And Logan Bryce might have a chance to play um, some time in the NFL. I think he could play guard, tackle. He's got some versatility. Right now. None of those other guys on the offensive line, maybe Jack Nelson, or I would say Jack Nelson probably will um, just because he's a redshirt freshman. But you look at their other two seniors on the left side, there's not a chance they're going to have a, uh, a sniff in the NFL based off of how they're playing. You've got Caden Lyles snapping it super high to your oh, – to, to, uh, Thank you for mentioning that. Mertz That's and driving me nuts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, dude, you're a senior and you've played center. This isn't one of those things where, where you haven't played that position. Like – if that was Joe Tipman, I get it. But no, it's Caden Lyles, and he's played a one of football. And one of the plays, he, he had the high snap that made it so that Mertz had to throw it away, and he threw a lookout block. He didn't even block anybody after he snapped it high. It's like, dude, if you're snapping it high, usually it's because you're popping up while you're trying to get your head up quick. And somebody blew right by him. It was like, what the hell, man? So you look at it, and you, I think that this offensive line was just completely overwhelmed. Aiden Hutchinson, he didn't record a sack, but he was in the backfield every single time, and he opened up um, possibilities for for David Ajabo on the other side. The tackles were atrocious in this game. Like, that was some of the worst um, offensive tackle performances I've ever seen. It was a turnstile behind Beach and Brust, and they should be, frankly, ashamed and embarrassed for it. I mean, you look at it, it was really bad. I think they'll be the first people to tell you that it was really bad. But they, they can play better, and they need to quickly. Um, I, I do agree with you that, like, maybe Logan Brown gives you a better chance at left tackle here when you consider the fact that the 
the shift from right tackle to left tackle for Beach just has not materialized at whatsoever. Um, Josh Seltzner on that play that Mertz damn near died on was was not blocking a single solitary soul when I rewatched it. Um, so you've got guys just not doing the things that you need. And what I come back to is there, there's no punch from this group. There's no tenacity. Where is where's the Jack Nelson that that was getting in fights with Keanu Benton and Jack Sanborn and and I mean we saw it. There was there was a a general fight going on in the in the trenches with this group in camp. And right now, I mean they're playing I don't patty cake out there. Like it's bad. And for a, an identity is built around offensive line, and if that's not working, you're in trouble. And I think that it comes up to the top in terms of Joe Rudolph. Um, he was he lost his offensive coordinating role so that he could focus on the offensive line in the run game, and that looks like crap this year. So where does the free fall stop? At some point, it's it's he's going to have to um, answer to Paul Chris further. I I think based off of the way this is trending. Yeah, and unless it turns around in a big way, I think that's certainly a conversation that will be coming down the pipeline because. You look at, you know, it's it's one thing if you're a team, you know, if you're a team that has, an, has a spread offense and your identity is is your playmakers on the outside and you got to get the ball to them, your offensive line is whatever. But when you're a team like Wisconsin and, and your identity is built on a strong run game behind a strong offensive line, if you don't have that, again, we talked about it earlier at the beginning, this offense looking is struggling to find an identity. There's your reason why, because the pillars of this – this entire football program for generations. I mean, it was Barry Alvarez uh, day this past Saturday, and this offensive line, you know, what he built the program on was in-state and, and dominating offensive line, opening up for power run game. With him in the building, that was one of the worst efforts you could put forward because, the, I mean, you're looking at the way this program was built and all of a sudden just crumbled down and, and looked like a shell of, of what it used to be. And, you know, it's it's – it's just a head scratcher when you look at it's not it's not one guy it's not like it's just the young guy on the line that's struggling it's an overwhelming amount of of struggle from guys that have played a lot of football i mean that's the the thing to me you mentioned Caden Lyles with the snap that is just it's been it's been kind of an issue all year uh, but but Saturday it just seemed to be magnified that every single snap seemed to be and it wasn't like all of them were over his head or, or merch stretching for it, but a lot of them were, you know, just enough reach up that it throws off the timing. And when you're struggling, you just can't afford those mistakes. But it went well beyond just bad snaps. Like you mentioned, the tackle play was just, it seemed to be someone was blowing through those guys left and right. Aiden Hutchinson, um, you know, I, I, I can't believe when I was looking at the stats after the game that he didn't have a sack because, like you mentioned, he was just everywhere. And just the, the number of hurries that he just threw everything off. And it's, it's I know you know it's Michigan and they had but coming into that game they really didn't have a front that was supposed to be you know normal Wisconsin offensive lines that play the way they um, play at times and with that domination and that tenacity should have been able to handle that line and and this group just didn't so I don't know where the changes need to come from I don't know where the, you can't really pinpoint the the one improvement but overall this group just needs to be a lot better because. Even if you're playing like that, even Illinois is is going to cause you issues. You know, <laughs> people in the Big Ten West, Iowa, Minnesota, and even Nebraska's got a good defense. There's there's no doubt that um, it's going to go beyond just Michigan if they, if they play the way that they played this past Saturday. 
Yeah, and I, I'm saying it now. If if things don't vastly improve, Joe Rudolph won't be on the staff next year. Like, there's no way it can happen. Um, I know he's a valuable recruiter, um, and and he's done some some great great things. But at the same time, the precipitous fall uh, off mm-hmm. that has kind of transpired these past two years. I mean, just think of last year. They had John D. Seen come out of retirement and immediately insert himself into the offensive, the starting lineup. Um, like that's a pretty strong indictment against a bit, against the development behind um, the the guys who were starting two years ago. So I, I look at this and, and you just wonder what's going on. Um, something's got to change, and usually that means um, coaching turnover. And I highly doubt Paul Christ is going anywhere. No matter how bad things go this year. Paul Chris isn't going anywhere, nor do I think he should. But I do think that he's going to have to make decisions to to save his own butt, and that would probably lead to, hey, the guy who struggled in calling plays, the guy whose offensive line and run game isn't working, right? Like, bring in some new blood, try something different, because it's not working right now. And I don't think anything's going to happen mid-year. Like, I know people were calling for Bob Bostad to come in and be the new offensive line coach, which – I mean, you're also taking away from probably the strength of your entire defense, that inside linebacker, if you do that. But I look at it as they're going to wait until after the year. They're going to try to turn it around. They're going to try to make sure that they sign some of these in-state offensive linemen so that they stick around and they'll have a chance to bring them in before they would go ahead and make a change. But I do think that there's going to be a change there, um, given the fact that, there's a demotion, and then there's a, a you know a drastic fall in productivity from the offensive line, and I think that uh, you know heads are going to roll if 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 they don't turn this around very quickly in in terms of job security. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's something that if it's it's got to be better. You expected it to be better with the fact that this team you know last year struggled but you know now the the reshifting of the coaching staff the refocus you expected improvement and so far you haven't seen that and it's it's just, that's not something that's going to hold up long term because you mentioned I don't think Paul Chris is going anywhere either but um you you need to start making some inroads to get back to the the program excellence that you were and that starts with the offensive line that starts with the run game and right now they look so far removed from from getting to that back to that point that I would I would not be surprised if these struggles um, to lead to something like that because improvement needs to be made and it's it's really gotten to the point where you know the way the way we're talking about it the, the words we're throwing out there it, it's really gotten to an undestructible point where if, if it doesn't improve it's, it's going to be hard to come back from that um, and have confidence that this group is going to to move forward but um, I think that's a good way to to put a ball maybe on the offensive line but you want to s- continue to talk about woes a little bit this special teams group once again struggled. Um, that it's a continual continual issue as as they move forward here. Anything you want to add, or is this just kind of the same conversation we've had for now years and and weeks with with struggling special teams continuing to be something that that pops up um, its ugly head uh, week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look to another coach, you could probably start walking. It's it's going to be Herring because <laughs> at go. this point, like yep. he recruits in state, and I mean, God, just give that to Jim Leonard. The walk-on from Tony, Wisconsin, you don't think he could walk into a living room in the state of Wisconsin and bring in a recruit? Um, but Chris Herring, your special teams coordinator, at this point, it just it just keeps popping up. Like, in it continues to be an issue. 
I've said it multiple times. I still think they need to play their best 11 at all times in, in these big games against Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, bowl games, et cetera. Um, I mean, and they do it in some areas. Like, that's the thing is the frustrating part to me. And and it wasn't all completely on Hunter Waller that that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's sometimes there's just crap luck about it in, in kill situations like that. The ball just bounces away. You get pushed into something. Things happen. Um, but there was definite communication issues that Dean Ingram needs to be louder about what's going on, letting his his, um, his coverage team know what's what's happening. And they – They've got to make changes. Even there was that pooch kick that damn near ended up with Michigan having the ball as well at the end of the that would have completely not even given the Badgers a chance to go ahead and score on that Mertz touchdown throw. Um, there was the kickoff out of bounds. You finally get an a, a offensive drive strung together. You kick a field goal and then you boot the ball out of bounds to get Michigan into to positive uh, um, opportunity to score. Like it's it just continues to pop up and it and it can't happen it's got to change um i i love that what they do on the punt coverage because their punt coverage team is if you look at it they've got bull chanel scott nelson jack sanborn noah burks mike mescalunas alexander smith those are your starters and they're out there and we haven't seen a lot of issues out of this punt team yet in fact they've actually looked really good in punt punt um but punt return is still a mess Kickoff return, I still think, is needs to clean up a little bit. Like, there's just issues abound on this special teams unit. And you know what? The funny part is it's not kicking. <laughs> they continue to make their field goals, which, you know, I'm knocking on wood as we speak, that Colin Larsh has looked really good this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you would expect that special teams issues, that would be something that you'd be talking about, you know, just based on what you saw at the beginning of the year. But that hasn't been the case. And kudos to Colin Larsh. He was a guy that – um, everybody kind of ripped on um, over this offseason because they hadn't quite seen it. And so far, he's put the ball through the uprights and done his job, at least in, in the manageable situations. I won't hold that, um, you know, that the terrible decision to kick in that Notre Dame game against him. But, yeah, it's just it's, – it's not just one phase of special teams. Every phase has had its blip on the radar, and it's not just one week. It's every week. I mean, we – we, we spend a good amount of time on this podcast talking about special teams woes. And, and I said in our roundtable after the game, special teams, you know, if you make a play and you talk about it in a positive light, that's great. But you should not be spending this much time talking negatively about special teams because these type of mistakes just should not continue to happen. And it's been a problem um, for years now and something that I really think um, when you talk about changes that need to be made, that seems to be one that, um, you know, yeah, special teams, is it is it a huge part of the game? It's not as big as a struggling offensive line. No, it's not as big as maybe a defense getting hit for, for big plays. But it's still a pretty good chunk that we've seen time and time again. When they make these mistakes, it won't lose them a game completely, but it'll put them in really negative situations to try and win a game. And when you're making mistakes in other phases of the game, you're making it hard to win on your hard on yourself to, to win a game. So, um, I think some adjustments need to be made there for sure, and if not, you know, you're just going to continue to see these issues pop up, you know, time and time again, and and they're really frustrating issues that you would hope um, is something you can at least fix. You know, the Hunter Waller one, that's one, like you said, bad luck, but a lot of these have been just poor execution, and and that comes down to um, you know poor coaching that just has not been there, um, you know, for a long time now. Especially when you have a a full you have you only have a finite number of of coaches that you can have on the field, and they have Chris Herring dedicated to that specifically. 
And you also have Melhoff based helping out with the kickoffs or the, the kickers. So it's, it, he's not even helping out in that arena. So like, what are you doing? Like I'm seeing a train wreck out there and it's putting the defense in terrible situations game in and game out this season, and something's got to change. And I would think if you're having troubles on offense, that's a bigger facet of your game. Maybe you make a move there, push another coaching staff member to the offense and help this team out because it's not working in special teams. And I I just, you know, I don't want to call – I don't like calling for a guy's job, but at this point, like, like what what do you got to see to make Mm -hmm. that change because it's not working. It just is not working. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's the the sentiment where enough seems to be enough at, at this point, and it's not it's it's confusing to see uh, or to try and figure out what more needs to, to be seen on that front. All right, we've talked offensive line, special teams, defense. I mean, once again, we can we can go there. Good once again. I think the one thing that kind of stood out, some big plays got hit for. I, I, I know some people have, have talked about that. For me, it's I almost wonder if it was an issue where this defense is not necessarily fed up, but it's just like, man, we've, we've played a lot of good football, and we're about to drop to one and three, and, and just maybe the, the frustration was coming out on some of those plays. Um, I think that's part of it. I'm, I'm still not really – there's not a lot of concerns that come for me um, from this defense despite them you know, getting burnt for some big plays. I almost wonder if there's some underlying it's just frustration there. But anything to take away from uh, the defense to kind of put a, a wrap on the entire – um, Michigan game that that you know relatively speaking was 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 a tough one once again. I think there's a lot to take away because I I do think that this defense is playing their tails off. Mm-hmm. You look at it, Michigan had starting field position in Wisconsin territory three times, two other times where they began beyond the 40 yard line due to turnovers, special teams miscues, um, and, and things that the offense is doing. So you look at that, and then you look at the fact that Michigan was confident enough to go on fourth down five times in a game because they knew, hey, Wisconsin's not going to be able to do anything on offense. Might as well do it. That was the same recipe Wisconsin did to Michigan last year or two years ago in 2019 where they were like, hey, we're going to go for it immediately because we don't we trust our defense and we don't think that Michigan can do anything offensively. It was a complete flip in this game. Mm-hmm. And I know that the secondary is giving up some big plays here and there um, because of some communication issues and a hell of a catch by Roman Wilson on that one that, that he made. Yeah. But, but I look at this, and, and I just continue to think that they're just getting hung out to dry. Like, this is – they're just in such a terrible situation. You look at the the statistics, and most of their the points against them have come from special teams miscues, offensive turnovers. Like, there's only so much that they can do. Um, and, and really, I think there's a couple guys that I really want to talk about in a, in a bit. I'll let you kind of – elaborate on this further but I just think that they just deserve better and they're just put in terrible situations time and time again I know um, Caesar Williams brought it up after the game that he was he thought it was um, embarrassing that Michigan would go for it five times on fourth down because it tells it tells them that hey they think that either they're going to be able to get it or they just completely um, lack, do not are not scared of what this Badger offense brings which you know makes sense so I, I I think there's a lot to to glean from this game in positive way for the defense, but it's still one of those things where they're still struggling because of everything that going on around them and leading to them being in really tough situations. 
Yeah, I think the fort, like you mentioned, you know, this defense has been really good all year long, but you know, for them to go for it, it's not an indication that they're they're not scared of this defense. I think they just know that this offense right now just doesn't impose that many threats. So let's continue to put um, the gas pedal down and, and convert because sometimes it's going to take four plays to to get a first down on this defense. But when you're not scared of the opposing offense coming back down the field, you know, that's that's part of the things that you've got to look out for. And unfortunately for the Wisconsin defense. It's hard to be perfect. I mean, we've talked about it time and time again. It's hard. You can't really, you know, I know at the Penn State game we were harping on some big plays, but it's like, again, you know, they, they were a team that they played pretty well, and, they, yeah, they got beat for some plays, but you can't be expect a defense to be perfect play in and play out, and right now it seems like that's what they have to be, and I think some of that frustration maybe mounted a little bit um, this past Saturday. So I think, once again, there were some, some good things. Yeah, they got beat for some plays, but it's just an exhaustive effort where, you know, they were on the field a lot. They were in, you know, negative territory a lot. They, I think they kept them in the game as well as they could. And right now, unless you start to get some sort of pulse on offense, other teams are going to pick up on it and say, okay, you know, it's hard to move the ball against this defense, but until the Wisconsin offense start posing some threats, we're going to have to continue to be aggressive. So, I would not expect that uh, Michigan's going to be the only team that um, that continues to do that because you're going to have to push some envelope to score points, but it, it might pay off the way it did for Michigan in the long run. Yeah, and and I think I think Jim Leonard is just a mastermind back there, man. Like even on that uh, that that uh, flea flicker that they hit over the top, he had that set up. He had everything in place. Caesar Williams just didn't make the play. Didn't go. Get wasn't the deepest man. He was supposed to be the the back guy. wasn't supposed to let anybody behind him, um, and he he froze. They they rolled the safety down on a blitz. They had another safety covering the the guy jetting across. So they had everything locked up. Um, they had two guys on him, but Caesar Williams just didn't get depth that he needed to, and so he got burnt. Um, but really, a couple guys just really stood out to me. I know most people are going to look at the the stats and say, yeah, Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, tremendous games. They combined for 25 tackles, and and really. They played really well. But the two guys on, on the rewatch that I, that I thought just played tremendous were Colin Wilder and Matt Henningson, man. Um, Henning, Henningson's going to have an NFL future based off the way he's playing. You look at what he did in 2019 as well as this year, and, and he's a monster. He's, he's wicked smart. But he had eight tackles um, and, and had that big crucial fourth down stop the, to keep the drive, a drive in the first quarter going from Michigan and was in the backfield all day long with some big crucial um, run stuff. But then Colin Wilder was flying around. He had some really good tackles. Um, he, he was all over. He had that pass breakup that, I mean, if he turned his head and was in a little bit more control, he probably um, is able to, to pick that off. But but really, he was all over flying around making some, some tackles. Nick Herbig, I also thought, played really well and, and made an impact um, throughout the game. That hit he had on uh, the Michigan tight end uh, when it was thrown behind him was a thing of beauty. So you you have some guys who are just playing such good football on this defense, and it's just a shame that um, the other phases of the game are, are really hurting and holding this team back. I, <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It seems like that seems to be the way that we, we kind of ended up uh, every week is that, you know, this is, um, you know, this defense is great, but, you know, it's just a shame and a waste right now that this group is, is not being utilized to the way that they, they can be because this defense is, is, is a defense that can win you a lot of games if, if you've got some semblance of an offense. But right now, you the other two phases just uh, 
are not there for this group, and, and hopefully they start to emerge uh, a little bit in this Illinois game because they're going to need, um, you know, they, they're going to need to start start seeing something from these other phases to hopefully to capitalize on a defense that once again is is so incredibly sound. Uh, anything else to, or otherwise we can wrap up uh, another episode of a Bucky Smith podcast. Let's wrap it up. I've got big picture stuff that I want to talk about next week, or I mean on Wednesday, but I, but I do think that this episode's already gone a little long. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode. We'll, of course, be back with you later in the week to talk Illinois. Hopefully the Badgers can turn the page and pick up a, a huge victory for them in terms of confidence and morale boost as they move forward. But thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.